This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at Lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Well, hello there. Welcome in another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It's Labor Day weekend. You're getting excited for football, football everywhere, but Betts, you're here, you're with me, and I didn't introduce you like I normally did. I was waiting for it, man. What are you doing over there? It's throwing me off. I don't know how to act now that I don't have a cool nickname to start the show. But yeah, man, it's coming up this weekend. We got a nice little three-day weekend, which is fun. And it kind of just feels like, you know, the the lull before the storm that is week one, which, dude, as of, you know, people listening to this, we are less than a week out from NFL football. So I'm excited. I think I'm holding back some of the uh, relational, I don't know, bit that I, that I have because in just a second, you and I are going to duke it out uh, in a segment where... We could not feel more different about a player this year than Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like, I, I feel the exact opposite. I can't wait for you to be wrong. It's going to be great. Yeah, It's that way about him, but more so, I think I might be the last person on the planet that would root for Damian Pierce or be there when he uh, is out of the league in two years. You just hate, like, you cannot <laughs> let yourself have fun. That's the problem, Kyle. You know what? Because Joe Burrow was awesome last year, and you were just, you know, I'm not playing him DFS. I'm not betting his props. I'm not doing this. And, you know, you missed out, dude. You missed out on the fun. So I'm sorry about that for you. And when Damian Pierce comes out and he's a top, what, 15 back, and you don't have him on your squad, like, you might be upset. I would love to make any bet possible with Damian Pierce being a top 15 fantasy back. It's also one of those things, you know, the way I'm wired, if the crowd and the sentiment is going one way, there is everything I mean that says, I want to bury this person. So I will find every stat possible that just says Damien Pierce ain't it. And I will just say, I'm kind of giving Kyle a hard time. I'm also pretty interested in fading Damien Pierce based off the trend of the recent couple of weeks and how excited everyone is about him. That said, he's looked pretty good in the preseason. You got to give him credit. The the film bros like, like Damien Pierce. But we uh, did an article, you, me, and Marv, one of our writers, from a dynasty perspective and one of our questions we did kind of like a little survey was like how are you handling the hype in dynasty and i feel like now's the time man like there's never going to be a time probably where his value is higher if you can sell him for a first in a trade i'm in on that for sure pete we are getting questions all the time from people should i take Brees hall or damian pierce of the 101 in my rookie draft and i'm just falling out of my chair just like no like don't don't do this this is completely insane 
especially in best ball, which we've talked about a lot. There's, there's a game theory portion of it, but I don't want to spend any more breath talking about Damian Pierce. I do want to talk about some season long props, kind of update where we've been at some that we really like, uh, because you and I, uh, are getting to add that to the DFS pass. We announced that a couple weeks ago. It's live where you are going to add some of those right now so that people can see this weekend and kind of get ahead of the curve. So, uh, why don't you prop up the props real quick and tell people why you're so excited about it? I'd love to prop it up, dude. That's what we do. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited. The The DFS pass this year, we expanded. We added that in. So that is officially live. We have it up a little early. Most of the weeks, the flow is going to be, you know, it'll be out Wednesday for an article and then kind of get updated. Anytime we, we like something, we'll take it and it'll be updated all the way through Sunday and Monday's games. But because we have so much time between now and week one, the props are already up. So there is one available for week one up there for you guys for the Thursday night game, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But I'm excited to add that this year. I think it adds a lot of value to people that are just looking to expand, you know, how they play fantasy or how they get involved with NFL, you know, DFS, gambling, that sort of thing. And I've always just said, like, the best way for fantasy players to kind of dip their toes in the water, if you're a little apprehensive about sports betting, like, we understand player usage, player roles, coaching schemes, probably more than the sports market and, and books do, honestly, because... As DFS players, that's all we care about. So it's basically the same, you know, analysis, and I think it's going to be a nice little value and a lot of fun if, uh, if you want to do that this year for the first time with us. I think you're going to have a profitable year and, and have a good time doing it too. I'm going to sneak in later a player prop that I really like for that game, and this this episode is all devoted to that first Thursday night game between Buffalo and Los Angeles. So we're getting into that, but let's let's quickly update a couple of season log props. I've had some people over the last week wanted to check in to see. The ones that we felt the most conviction about, and I know you and I together have been all about the Ravens this offseason, so we have a number of different props on uh, Lamar Jackson win MVP, uh, the Ravens to win their division, the Ravens over. So that's something you and I together have just been all over really since May. Uh, but give me a couple that you are feeling good about. Dude, feeling great about the closing line value we're going to get on Aaron Jones, Offensive Player of the Year. And I know Jason was giving us a hard time saying this will never win. But the fact that it closed, or it is right now, I don't know what will close that next week, at plus 4,000 when we got it at plus 10,000 odds, just means it's a good bet. Even if it doesn't win, like you're on the right side of it. So that one feels really good. I still feel a ton of conviction that Aaron Jones is going to be a massive difference maker, not only for us in DFS, but for your season-long leagues, best ball, and that's not to say A.J. Dillon can't also be great. I think the, the offense is going to be those two dudes. So I'm excited. I also have an under on Najee Harris rushing yards, which we took it at uh, 1,200 and a half. It's now 1,150 and a half. And, you know, this wasn't even part of the analysis, but now apparently the dude has had a Liz Frank sprain all of training camp. So that even kind of adds more conviction to the under there, lack of efficiency. And then, you know, we got to give a shout out to my Eagles, my eventual Super Bowl champion. Eagles this year. What could go wrong? Uh, we had them over eight and a half wins. It is now at nine and a half. So that's great. And then I took them to, to win the division. It was right around the AJ Brown trade at plus 225. That is now plus 175 on most books. While you are rooting for your Eagles, which I think great bets to make when you made them and the way that things have changed. So I'm I'm all about that. I'm not going to be anti-Eagles. I, I Thank you. I mean, there's a point where I need to actually give real analysis here and not just <laughs> do this, right? Yeah, of course. On the other side of that, though, I am actually uh, causing my employers to rethink things because I took the Cardinals under 9.5. It was my strongest conviction this year in terms of win totals. We talked about win totals, what, back in May, and it's the one that I placed the most amount of money on. It started at 9.5. It's down to 8.5, and, 
And I feel like this team can't do anything right in training camp and preseason. Like there, there's questions if Rondeo Moore, Zach Ertz will even play week one. I feel like there's so many outs, especially when you go through their schedule, that under nine and a half, I mean, I'm already putting that in my account. You might as well. Whatever you want, man. If you've been eyeing something nice for yourself, like you might as well just buy it right now. It, it feels bad, but I, I just, every single time I look at that bet, I go, I, this one feels really good. That I ha- This is the one I felt the most on. Now, I'll get dunked on by the entire company by Andy, Mike, and Jason if uh, that does go the other way. I can't wait for it to be like week 16 or something, and you guys are all watching the games on Sunday together, and they're at like eight wins or something, and you're just there quietly oh. sitting in the corner, not saying a word as they're losing. <laughs> The Falcons do play the Cardinals this year in Atlanta, so that would be really sweet to have the Falcons win a game. Um, and then I'll give two more. I took Cortland Sutton to lead the league in touchdowns. It was at plus 4,000 when I took it two months ago. It's weird because Jerry Judy's at plus 2,200, even though Sutton clearly, I mean, clearly seems like the touchdown guy. But maybe I'm crazy here, and I, I need you to talk me into this. Why is this line not moved at all since the Tim Patrick news and since Russell Wills, like Quilton Sun has just sat there at plus 4,000 for really the entire offseason. I think it's a really great wager if somebody wants to make that for season long. Yeah, I mean, uh, camp can be a little bit tricky because there's a lot of news that comes out and trying to figure out what matters and what doesn't can really help you be a successful DFS player and a fantasy player. But man, the drumbeat for Quilton Sutton has just been so strong all offseason, all training camp. And, you know, there's a reason he's a my guy for, for the squad this year. He was just on the MVP show yesterday for the, the main show. Like, people are in on Cortland Sutton, and I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at guys who have had past success in the NFL getting a massive quarterback upgrade. We haven't seen it from Jerry Judy. Like, we've seen it from Cortland Sutton. So if you're, if you're making me put my money on one of these two guys, hands down in fantasy drafts and the betting markets, it's Cortland Sutton. This is a market that I think people can win at because you can get these bets as the season progressed. So last year, Jason actually took Cooper Cup after the first couple of weeks to lead the league in touchdowns, made a good chunk of money off of it. Uh, we took Mike Williams together, if you uh, didn't forget. Whoops. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, he, he did well. But uh, one more I want to throw out there. We talked about the New Orleans Saints to make the playoffs was plus money for a long time. That's moved. But I really like the Saints and the way that they're set up. I think they're a deep team, although they've had a lot of issues. They traded... Uh, one of their corners to the Eagles. And today we just found out Marcus May, a safety, is in some legal trouble. So it's a deep team, and I think it's a good team. If some, for some reason Tampa Bay, with all their injuries, does take a step back, I really like the Saints as kind of a good long shot. They're plus 320 to win that division, uh, and I cannot see the Panthers or Falcons doing it. So just saying, I think I like the Saints as kind of a sneaky dark horse team in a couple different markets. But any last thoughts on the Saints? Because I know you felt the same. Yeah, I mean, the big part of the analysis when we did that, gosh, back in what, like April or something, like right after the NFL draft or before the the NFL draft, because I said whatever they do is going to tell us a lot about what they think about their team. If they take a quarterback, they might be in rebuild mode. They didn't. They bolstered the offensive line. The reports on Michael Thomas have been great. I've been a little scared to have had a pretty decent fate on him in best ball. So it hopefully proves me wrong for our Saints bets. But things are trending in a pretty positive direction, I would say, for New Orleans. And yeah, man. Like, I don't know where you stand on the Tampa Bay stuff. I haven't really adjusted how I'm viewing the Bucks that much. Maybe I should because the offensive line issues are a major concern for sure. So, yeah, if it does go south for whatever reason for Brady, which it never does, but if it does, then you would think the Saints are the primary beneficiary there. All right, now I'd like for you to get out whatever weapon of your choice, like some brass knuckles, a pitchfork, 
um, Ninja Stars. <laughs> yes, whatever you're going to use to battle me here, because we, you and I agree on a lot of stuff. In fact, some people say that we agree too much on the show. But Amon Ross St. Brown for best ball for redraft, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand the ceiling. I get it that what people saw at the end of the year, but he's a player that I've taken a pretty firm stance on. I'm not drafting him as a wide receiver too, which is kind of where he's going in underdog world. And I don't think that he has that much of a ceiling. Um, maybe in a PPR league, you could talk me into it, but you and I had to get together and have a bet on this for people to know. So when Amon Ra does something great, you can root for bets. If he inevitably just does nothing and the lions are just meh, then uh, you can root for me. So I'll let you talk. I mean, listen, the Lions can be meh, and Amon Ross St. Brown can also be great for fantasy. And and everyone wants to talk about, you know, uh, well, he produced when these guys were out, Swift and Hawkinson. Hawkinson might be the odd man out here. Like, let's be honest, Amon Ross St. Brown has shown he can earn targets in the NFL at an elite level. And granted, he was playing with some eh, not great talent at the time, but still, you don't do what he did in the NFL unless you are good at the game. Jared Goff, my man loves to target the slot wide receiver. That is where Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be. When Jamison Williams gets back, dude, he's taking the top off the defense, opens it up for Amon Ra. You love DJ Chark for his ability to open up the offense. I mean, in PPR, I think he's just going to see a ton of volume. So I think he can be a top 24 points per game wide receiver. Again, that's key. Points per game, wide receiver, minimum 12 games played. And I'm willing to make a water bet with you about that. All right, let's put it on the board. Water bet. So this is like we have an official channel in our Slack. This will go in there, and I've made a couple. I've made some really just silly ones. Like in the office, we have Taysom Hill versus Adam Troutman. I mean, who cares about that? But um, <laughs> it's not Taysom Hill. Uh, this will be fun to track. I definitely think from best ball, you and I have gone different routes in terms of where we've taken him, but should be good. Amon Ross St. Brown, like you said, top 24 PPR wide receiver in terms of points per game. A lot of PPs in there, uh, and we're saying – 12 games is the minimum. So let's get into the meat of this show, talking about that Thursday night game. Thursday night breakdown. Those of you that haven't heard that drop in a while, it's because it's from the main show. It's only going to happen once in the DFS pod. We're going to talk about it, but you will get to hear that next week as the guys break down the Rams the Bills, you and I are going to talk about it from a DFS perspective and how to build a lineup based on certain game scripts. I think that's what's most important. Everybody here should be in your player pool, right? Like we're not saying, oh, this guy's just good and only play him. Like everybody should be in your player pool. There's so many different routes within one game. If you want more of the strategy and the numbers behind showdown slates and what they're like, last week we did an entire episode on it. We have articles on the site. You can do that. But we also kind of need to preface the difference between DraftKings and FanDuel here because they're two different conversations. So, Betts, why don't you quickly talk people through how it works on DK, how it works on FanDuel, and we'll give some thoughts on both. Yeah, I mean, I play mostly on DraftKings for the showdown slates, and it's probably because I just prefer the strategy involved with it. Whereas over on FanDuel, there's no captain spot. There's an MVP is what they're called. On DraftKings, it's the captain. They both get one and a half times their points scored but on FanDuel you don't really get penalized in terms of your salary and so when you're over on DraftKings if you want to play the best play on the slate you know Cooper Cup or whoever you think it is on the slate 
like you're paying up for it. But on FanDuel, like you don't really have to compromise anything. So there's not as much edge in the strategy. But both are fun. I think both have their place. And, you know, on DraftKings, I think it brings more players into the player pool because on FanDuel, like you have to have the optimal scoring plays to even cash. Like you have to have the guy scoring touchdowns because it's half PPR. Whereas over on DraftKings, you can get there when guys pile up, you know, the, the scrubs in the bottom of the the barrel, you know, the $200 guys, like if they catch three or four balls for like 40 yards, they can end up in your lineup, which I think adds more fun. The player pool expands. There's way more strategy. So I love DraftKings for that. Um, I play a little on FanDuel, but just not as much. There's not really, I think as much of an edge personally. Yeah. It takes away the value aspect and, the fact that you in your MVP spot on FanDuel, you have to have the best player, like who scores the most points. There's no, there's no, you can't get around it. And in DK, you don't have to have the top score if you have the right construction and, and everything else the way that it works out. So we will be talking mostly through a DraftKings lens, although I did have some lineups that I ran that I think will be helpful for people uh, for FanDuel. So we'll definitely talk about that later on. But let's preview this game. We talked about the lines last week. It's 51.5 total. Team implied total for the Buffalo Bills is 27 points. For the Los Angeles Rams is 24.5. So that makes the Bills 2.5 point road favorites. So before we get into specific matchups and how it works, what is Vegas telling us about this game? I mean, it's supposed to be close. We know that. It's got a great total. Looks like the over might be the play when you just kind of look at it first glance. But I pulled some numbers based off where the sports betting markets are in terms of cash and tickets 85 percent of the cash is on the bills 69 percent of the tickets are on the bills so so many people are hammering the bills as the favorites and the line isn't really moving that much which makes me very uh i guess skeptical of that line that the sharp play you know quote unquote might be on the rams as home dogs in this spot based off how much cash is coming in on the bills and it not moving at all that brings into a situation for us. Again, we talk about what people are going to do. Like they're probably going to play a ton of bills in their lineups. You also look at the over under 74% of the tickets are on the over. Maybe we have a chance to fade that narrative and fade kind of the public of what they think is going to happen. So all the money is on bills and over right now, early in the week. Yeah. If I'm playing in a massive field tournament and I have that type of information, which you get to write up in the DFS pass, you get to give more insight of how we're taking that. It's making me say I want to take Rams and I want to find game scripts that hit the under. Like, if that's what everyone's going to do, if I'm in a large field tournament, I'm going to go the opposite way. And I think it just makes sense. We love these two teams because they're both up-tempo offenses, right? Like, we know what they want to do. They want to pass the ball and they want to do it all the way down the field, especially in the middle of the field. Uh, Sean McVay is definitely someone that I'm rethinking this year because he's talked so much about how he's not going to have the exact same offense. I respect that, that he's trying to recreate himself. It's what Bill Belichick had to do. Like every single year, they had to morph what kind of team they're going to be. But they've talked about having a two-back system. Is it just going to be copy and paste of what they did last year with Cooper Cup? Is that how people are approaching this? I think the natural tendency for everyone, whatever slate it is, whether it's the main slate or this slate, we always do it. We're, you know, probably you and I are culprits of it too. You look at what happened last year and you just kind of copy and paste and assume like that's what's going to happen. Like Cooper Cup had not just a great season, the best season ever for a new wide receiver. Like it is insane. So, and I wrote the article like finding this year's Cooper Cup. Like truthfully, it probably doesn't exist, right? I mean, that's the reality. So if people are assuming his role is going to be just as good or better and you can just copy and paste and print, 
I'm pretty interested in kind of thinking about how this game might work out differently. Not to say that he won't be involved. Obviously, he will be for many reasons. But, you know, you look at kind of the target competition he had down the stretch last year after Robert Woods went out. It was minimal. They bring in Allen Robinson. He's been Sean McVay's dude, apparently. Um, I still think he has talent and can play. And so, yeah, I think there's ways that you can find some pretty good leverage this slate specifically if people just assume what last year you know the results of last year are going to happen this year it's also when you look back at the stats from last year you'll see buffalo and you'll see red next to their name when it comes to defense so you have to take all that into account the psychological aspects of when people see these two defenses they see the super bowl champions they see the fact that the bills are the super bowl favorites this year and an exciting offense you take all of that into account and then we get to look at real salaries and roster constructions and, and just say, how can I find points of leverage, right? In such a small player pool, like this is one game, we have to find just little points of leverage. So we'll talk more about those players and, hey, if you're playing this person, you know, in, in the captain spot, what you're saying is that maybe these people fail. So think about that. But any injuries we need to monitor? Yes, the first one for the Rams is Van Jefferson, who is still recovering from his uh, knee scope earlier in training camp. Reports are showing that basically as of a week out of the season, he's getting closer to 100%, but not there. So we don't know right now as of this recording if he's going to play or not play. I think it would be unlikely he's 100%. So, you know, he might project from a median outcome standpoint pretty thin. If he's out there, let's say maybe running 50% of the routes that he might usually run or something like that. So he's a key name to monitor throughout the week. I'll have more on him in the DFS pass and write this game up next week. But as of now, we got to monitor that because that could open up your boy Tutu Atwell, Kyle, as maybe dart throw later. Um, and then as well, you know, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson both missed the last couple of weeks in camp with soft tissue injuries. They are back in practice, but, you know, a week out, like, are they 100%? Who knows at this point? So those names are really important to monitor on the Rams side of the ball. And with the Bills, Tredavious White was placed on the pup to start the year, which kind of shocked me. I didn't know. I hadn't kept up as much in terms of where he was in his recovery process, but it is a big deal because I think people bake that in when they think of the Bills defense as him being one of the top corners. But well, how long was he out last year? Like half the year? He got injured on the, uh, the Thanksgiving game against the Saints. Yeah, so... We need to think about that with these two teams. Before we get into the salaries, I was just about to jump in. Let's take a quick break because I have some things to think about. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. So I've, I've been in the mountain. I've done some soul searching. And I've realized that we have two players in this game, Josh Allen, Cooper Cup, that have so much redraft, like there's so much carryover from what people have been playing and what they've been doing, the way they've been thinking. And now they jump into DFS saying, hey, it's week one, I want to play, I want to jump in. I mean, is every single roster going to have these two guys on it? 
At least one of them. I think so. I mean, when you look at last year, like in primetime slates, especially, you know, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, when the Rams and the Bills were playing, not necessarily each other, but when those two teams were on that slate, like Cooper Cup's roster percentage in the captain spot on average was almost 20%. For Josh Allen, it was also above 20%, almost 25%. So like without even doing any projections, any of that stuff this early in the week, like I think hands down, we both would agree those two are going to be the most popular captains on the slate. Are their prices only going to go up from here? And not that we have to think about that like, oh, well, if they're going to go up, then I need to play them. Like that's not factoring in if they're a good play or not. But do we think that Josh Allen is only going to get more expensive? Do we think Cooper Cup will only be more expensive? Or is like, is this like his ceiling? Dude, I don't know, man. There was times last year where I was like, you know, at 9K on the main slate, I'd be like, ah, this feels so high for what he could do. And then all of a sudden he comes out for, of course, is 125 and two touchdowns. And you're like, okay, he should have been 9,500 or something like that. So, I mean, I don't know. But first glance is this seems decently high. I mean, his average captain salary last year in primetime games was was 17 and a half, basically, in terms of his captain, you know, um, salary. And this year it's at 18.6 if you want to play him in captain. So, personally i think it's high for what it should be but that doesn't mean you can't beat it i mean obviously we've seen it yeah allen and cup are obviously going to project the best they're going to carry the highest roster percentage last year josh allen in games where he was a captain his roster percentage was 24 percent of the field so when you throw in the fact that matthew stafford's going to garner another 12 to 15 percent like almost half the field is going to be playing I would say more than half the field is going to be playing Allen, Stafford, and Cup. Like that might even reach 75% of the captain spots. I'm going to want to play, but if you had to pick between the three of those big guns, where would you lean into? As in which one's my favorite? Yeah. It's so tough because inherently <laughs> yeah, I want to answer you and say I don't really want to play any of those guys in captain. I will have exposure because, right. of course, they're three amazing guys that can, can go off any time. I think looking at those three... Stafford doesn't have quite the same ceiling as Josh Allen, as Cooper Cup. And when I think about the Rams offense and the fact that Tutu Atwell might be an every down player for this team, like there are paths to Cooper Cup. I said it might be a fade, but there are still paths for him, you know, smashing in this game. So I'm going to have exposure to Cup and Captain. I don't love playing Josh Allen Captain personally because, you know, like there were times where it was so concentrated that like Josh Allen would run and he would only throw to Steph Diggs and then like, Cole Beasley would get a handful and, you know, whoever else would get a handful, but like wouldn't be meaningful. Now we have Gabe Davis potentially stepping in to a legit wide receiver two role that, I mean, he says he views him the same as Steph Diggs. I doubt that, but still like, I think there's more paths for the other guys on the bills to maybe beat him relative to salary. So as bad as it might sound, I might still prefer cup despite the fact that I know he's going to be popular. Yeah. Allen's harder than you think in DFS environments because of the way he runs the ball that, of course, you want to stack him with somebody, but we talked about last year, him and Diggs were actually negatively correlated. So if you did try to do that in a game, you were out left holding the bag because the projections looked good, and at the end of the day, they just got spread around in different spots. So I will say, I'll give a FanDuel note, Matthew Stafford is $2,000 cheaper than Josh Allen. So in terms of roster construction, you get different. He's also cheaper than Cooper Cup. So I know there's a lot of worry with, you know, what's going on with his shoulder and his elbow. Like, I think at the end of the day, he's a quarterback on a good offense. He's somebody you should think about in the MVP spot for FanDuel. But captain spot with Stafford 
Is that something that you're mostly going to be lower on because the field is just going to be playing so many quarterbacks? I think so. I mean, I'm going to play some Stafford that I think is flex, but you know, these pocket passers and captain generally, I'm willing, I'm looking to fade in the right situations. And what I'm talking about there is when there's multiple pass catchers on a slate that can beat the quarterback again, salary specific speaking, like there are pass to Steph Diggs being Matthew Stafford and captain also Allen Robinson, if he catches two touchdowns or, you know, Gabe Davis is, is the new hotness. He could be there. So yeah, I think Stafford's a guy I'm going to be lower than the field on a captain as i said i'll play him in flex especially if i have a rams wide receiver in captain but i'm not looking to play stafford specifically uh on this slate on DraftKings in, in the captain spot it's just hard because you know that Allen's projection is going to be so much higher from just a, a raw standpoint um and his ceiling's higher obviously with the rushing so you need stafford to outpace him not just like you know put up two touchdowns you need more than that all right, let's go to the pass catchers, and then we'll we'll kind of circle back to the running backs. I know that's the conversation. That's kind of the key to this game because I don't know if anyone exactly knows what to do with either of these backfields. But Allen Robinson is somebody that you and I have talked about a lot as leverage. We've talked about how he's half the price of Cooper Cup on DraftKings. Is he your favorite captain? Not, you're not saying he's the best captain, but is he your favorite in terms of game theory? I think it's pretty close between he and Gabe Davis. I'm pretty interested in having both those guys exposure there. The reason is, you know, not only because we go, we get leverage, you know, game theory aspect, leverage off cup, leverage off digs. That's pretty obvious. But the reality is, you know, roster construction, just from a standpoint of if you play cup, if you play Josh Allen, it gets really thin down in the basement. And so it gets scary to build that way. When I don't know if you've done any builds, Kyle, but you run out of salary really quick with those guys as expensive as they are. By playing one of these guys in captain, you can still get your quarterbacks in the flex and that sort of thing. So it's more comfortable to build that way. I like it. I also think we have an opportunity to kind of play these guys before we see it, right? Like sometimes we're scared to do that. Like we want to see it on the field first. Like what if Allen Robinson's role this year is almost as good as Cubs. I mean, it's probably not likely, but it's possible. And I know I'm kind of an A-Rob truther and you know, Penn State fan, whatever. But like, I refuse to believe Allen Robinson just all of a sudden was horrible one year to the next. He's still a great wide receiver. Sean McVay has you know, been pandering for this dude. He's, they're going to use him all over the field. And I think it sets up really well to get some great leverage in the spot. So I like Allen Robinson you know, from that standpoint. But also looking back at Fantasy Lab's data, I kind of set the standard, like looking at the spread and the Vegas total. And I, I, I controlled it between 49 points to 53 points for the game total and a spread of a field goal or less. The wide receiver two for an offense in that sample over the last, uh, what, 10 years, the wide receiver two has better correlation than the wide receiver one. It's a data point. We're not going to use that as fact, but it's enough of a data point to me that say like, if the field assumes Cooper Cup is 80% better than Allen Robinson play this week, like I'm happy to put some A-Rob in my captain spot. Yeah, and it, your lineups are just going to be able to work way more. So even if you're stacking bills, if you're saying, I want Diggs, Allen, and then you know, you're know you going 4-2 on the bills side, you're saying, I'm going to get Robinson and then figure out what kind of cheapy, which we'll talk about those guys in a second. I have some thoughts about some of them, including if you really want to just light your money on fire, you can just take O.J. Howard in this game. <laughs> oh, man. Sad times for O.J. I know. Uh, he's going to be watching this game from the couch, but... All right, you so Al same. <laughs> Allen Robinson, um, Cooper Cup. Is Van Jefferson somebody that we're just going to have to wait and see? I mean, as of this recording, we can't really say anything definitively. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said at the top of the show, we talked about the injury aspect. I just, I'd be surprised if he's out there running 100% of the routes, given that he hasn't played in the preseason, hasn't practiced. Like, 
it would just be really surprising. So I don't think anyone's going to play him if he's active. 4,600, if you really want to get out there and throw a dart in the, the lottos, like fine. But outside of that, I think you're hoping for a long touchdown, and that's pretty much it. He's also in the dead zone of like, he's not sh- super cheap like some of these other options. He's kind of somebody that, yeah, he's not going to be rostered very much, but you know, he could catch a touchdown if he's there. But Tutu Atwell is the one that I want to bring up. He's only $1,000 on DK, so he kind of fits the mold of somebody that unlocks your lineup. You find a guy who's super cheap, but maybe they can, you know, three or four X in their salary. At that, you need four points, people, uh, to four X. But I, I don't know, like, you can't really project anything for a player that was barely on the field, that didn't see targets. Uh, but Sean McVay has said he has a role. So is he just somebody that in Rams, like, four two builds, you're going to be using maybe? It just, like, the thing about the builds, the way they're going to work this week, I think, for a lot of people, is that I'm scared that 2 2 Outwell is going to be popular. Like, I don't think we would ever thought we'd <laughs> say that. But if Van Jefferson doesn't play, and 2 2 Outwell is running as the wide receiver three, presumably he'll be out there most of the time because the Bills are the, the Rams run a ton of three wide receiver sets. And because of the fact that you can just jam him in to fit Allen, Stafford, Cup, like, does he get popular? And if that's the case, I definitely want to be under the field. That said, you can see a path to looking at the names on this list below a thousand, and it's easy to understand why he might be popular because it's it's pretty thin. There's guys that are in the player pool this week that aren't even on the roster, as you said. So I get it, but I generally want to be looking to fade Atwell if he is indeed kind of starting in this game. Yeah, once you start dropping down, there's like yes, Kyron Williams, fourteen hundred, but he's probably not going to see any touches at all. Ben Skoronek, your boy, your boy, your uh, boy Ben S. At eighteen hundred, I, I think he's going to be another player that shows up. And I was doing some, you know, optimizer builds, and he was showing up because he's cheap enough, and maybe he gets the snaps over them. But there's really not many other places that you can go when you start going down the. Down the uh, Khalil Shakir is at least interesting for Buffalo, um, way down there, like so cheap that you kind of have to keep scrolling. At only two hundred dollars, I could see him showing up in a lot of lineups. But there's a lot of players that are no longer on the roster. So keep that in mind. There's not as many playable players at $200 for your roster if you want to do that. But let's go to the Buffalo side. You and I love Steph Diggs. We think that he's one of the easiest players to project for volume in the league. Um, But how are you handling him in this game? He's obviously a lot cheaper than Cup, uh, $3,400. How are you handling him? I love him. Yeah, I think he's a great player this week. And I think the reason that I like him so much is because we can confidently say he'll be less than the three names that we said in captain, most likely, you know, the quarterbacks and Cooper Cup. And so you're automatically going down to what projects as the most, the fourth most popular captain. You know, you're going to get a ton of leverage. We know he has these games in him where you can go 10 catches over 100 yards and a touchdown. And depending on the game script shakes out, that could certainly happen. And, you know, Steph Diggs has seen so much volume in the last two years with Josh Allen on a full PPR site like DraftKings. I'm always looking to bet on those guys in captain because when they do pile up the PPR, you know, receptions, it hits in a massive way in the captain spot. So I love him in this slate. I'll probably be over the field on Diggs captain exposure. Yeah, the price difference isn't that crazy between him and Gabriel Davis. I thought it would be bigger. It's only 9,000 to 7,200. So keep that in mind. I think there will be some redraft spillover of people saying, ooh, I'm going to be sneaky and play Gabriel Davis. Like, no, you're not. Like, he's going to be he's going to be more popular than Allen Robinson, right? I don't know, man. I the, think you the will. price discount if they were the same price, hands down, but the price discount from seventy two hundred to sixty two hundred for a Rob might just let people jam a Rob in because of the fact that we need salary on the slate. So yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, I think both will be the both will be played. Don't get me wrong. 
I was looking on fan. So on FanDuel, he's $500 less than Allen Robinson. So I think on there, he's going to be one of those players on a half PPR site that yeah. prizes touchdowns even more that he's going to be a big deal. Um, but we need to talk about Isaiah McKenzie. We mentioned him last week. I think he's going to be one of those popular players as well. That fits a lot of builds. When I ran an optimizer earlier, it was Allen Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie. Those are like the guys that kept showing up over and over and over again as in the same roster together. So if you are playing a lineup, let's say that you have Diggs as captain because we both like him a lot. You're obviously having Josh Allen with him. Is Isaiah McKenzie somebody that compliments just because of the price or based on his role that, okay, let's say he gets three or four catches on a PPR site and somehow gets in the end zone. Like that's what you're hoping for. Yeah. I mean, the thing about McKenzie is it's so tough. Like we don't really know what his role is and that's the reality. I think anyone assuming that they definitely know is probably over optimistic because in the preseason he was starting with three wide receiver sets, but there was also times where it would be Jameson Crowder out there and he would kind of rotate out and then back in. And so I think based off the price difference of Crowder and McKenzie at 2,400, he's going to fit a lot of builds. People are going to jam him in. They know he's going to play with Josh Allen. The question is just, does he catch three balls for 25 yards and like, okay, he didn't beat you? Or does he go off for, you know, five for 60? And then, of course, you're stuck holding the bag. So I'm probably going to be including him in my player pool. But again, these guys that are bottom down in the pricing standpoint, I generally want to be under the field because I know people are going to jam them in. And yeah, it works sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't too. And you have to take your L's when it doesn't. But yeah, I think that's probably the quote unquote right play from a game theory standpoint. Of course, if you're playing these large field GPPs. And we don't know what the player usage is going to be for that slot role. Like I think Camp has said Isaiah McKenzie, but Jameson Crowder was out for what, two weeks. The price difference is the thing, right? 2400 for McKenzie, you said 5000 for Jameson Crowder. And those prices were obviously set way before. So that'll come into play. I know that McKenzie projects well. I just can't say for sure that he's going to see more than 60% of the snaps. Like it could be one of those situations where Crowder gets in a third of the snaps and it just looks a lot different, but uh, we'll see where that is. All right, let's finish with tight ends. We'll talk about kickers and defense and then some builds that you and I like. Dawson Knox at 6,800. Tyler Higby at 5,600. Higby is somebody that I've definitely warmed up to. You and I just took him on our big dog team. He has an every down roll on a good offense. Maybe the touchdowns go his way. So I'm warming up to Tyler Higby, but I could make the same exact case for Dawson Knox, right? Touchdown threat on a good offense. So what are your takes on these two? Yeah, I mean, that's all you're really hoping for. And there's not much analysis beyond that because these guys don't pile up yardage that much beyond, you know, 50 yards kind of feels like a max for one of these guys in a game. So they have to get there based off their salary on touchdown upside. And so they're fine to include in your pool. We talked about the tight end not showing up as the optimal captain based off last year's data and years prior, unless they're these, you know, elite separators, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, those types of guys. So I won't be playing either one a captain personally. If they you know catch two touchdowns and you don't have them a captain, you could be you could be on the outside looking in, but generally I'm looking to fade that type of stuff. So yeah, I'll have exposure to both in Allen stacks, in Stafford stacks, but certainly not my highest exposure by any means. The defenses are tough. So FanDuel added defense this year. For those of you that were like clamoring for it, like why don't they have that? Um, you can't play a defense in terms of your MVP spot. Don't even think about it. Can't play a kicker there. They're way too expensive. It's just not going to work. So just... Take that off the board if you think you're being sneaky on FanDuel. You're not. Um, and I would say this is a game that we're not looking either of these options in the captain spot. It's not low enough. 
you're hoping for a defensive touchdown, but are they fitting in? Like the Rams defense at 3,600 is interesting to me if you take the under route and you're getting leverage on Josh Allen stacks. So any thoughts on the defense? I think, you know, looking at this from an optimal way to play this, I think they are generally a bad play. That said, we know chaos happens in the NFL. We think Josh Allen is still an elite quarterback, obviously. But, you know, anyone is prone to one bad game, as we saw against the freaking Jaguars last year. So if Aaron Donald gets after him a bunch and creates havoc, like, it could work. So, again, if you're playing, let's say, 20 lineups, I might have one or two with the defense in there. But I think based off how these teams play, how much they throw, how much pace is involved on both sides of the ball, I'd be surprised if a defense ends up as your optimal play. That said, they're cheap enough that you can mix them in, I think, as leverage off of guys like, you know, McKenzie and Tutu Atwell and, and names like that. Yeah, I think that's where you're using them as mostly as pivots. Betts and I don't really play cash for single games. So hear us out when we're talking about this. We're saying it, yes, you're going to get to be able to play them uh, if you're playing 20 max, 150, whatever you're doing. Like, you're, they're going to show up in your lineups, but we would say they're not great plays. But if you like the under, which I do in this game, if I had to take one, I'm not betting on the under, but from a game theory standpoint, I think the Rams are at least interesting at home. The kickers, I do have a kicker take. Do you want Do you want to hear it? I mean, that's what the show is all about, right? Kicker props, kicker takes. Give it to I, me. At lunch today, Mike said, hey, part of my, you know, what made my year in betting was Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals. So that's right. the owner of our, our company King. loved... <laughs> this so i will just keep firing away tyler bass i'll just throw out a, a prop that i took uh tyler bass over one and a half field goals it's uh it was minus 105 but we know that those lines are moving right oh my gosh by the time the show comes out it's going to be minus 200 probably People, really. <laughs> so we're looking for two field goals <laughs> but in one score games which what this is you know two and a half in one score games last year he averaged 2.4 field goal attempts per game so that's all i care about in games over 50 points he also averaged two field goals per game. So I take that information. This is what he did last year. And I don't just copy and paste, but in a game environment where I personally like the under, uh, I think that it sets up well for Tyler Bass to get two field goals. But for DFS purposes, um, he's someone that it just it's not going to project very high. Like unless there's a route where I'm saying this is an under and I think that the touchdowns don't flow as well for the bills, I'm not going to be playing a lot of Tyler Bass. Yeah, he definitely fits the under bills for under under builds not under bills under builds for sure when you talk about how this game might go and i think if you're picking one of the two you know kickers you look at the team implied totals like they almost get a field goal more for the bills so i think if you're going to play one to me i would lean into tyler bass personally um you know but outside of that like the kicker takes are are tough unless your name's kyle i will corner the market if you need me to let's talk about some game scripts and some builds for those of you that need to write this down We'll give you some simple builds that are showing up in our optimizer. Wait, but dude, also, are we going to talk about the running backs? Oh, dang it. I totally forgot all these guys because they're nondescript. I knew I was supposed to get back to them. Let's get back oh, to them then. Let's talk about the running backs. Dude, we're in midseason form already. Jeez, what a day. Um, all right, let's talk about the Rams side then. Start with Akers and talk about Darrell Henderson or Darnell Anderson. There's a big price difference on DraftKings. Akers is 8000 Henderson is 4800 I am so glad that you stopped me too. Oh man, these two, these two players, how exciting to talk about. Um, look, they're going to project, I think, pretty poorly when you talk about how often both teams pass. The fact that McVeigh has said this is going to be a committee, 
I know that's not been his MO, but a lot of reports from reporters are saying that it is going to be a committee. So they're both going to project not great. And along the same lines, Akers is just in a spot where no one's going to click the button on him. So if you want max leverage in this game, Akers is a decent play. I think if you just say he falls in the end zone twice, I'm not sure he will, but that's at least interesting in these super large field lottos. If you think the under hits that said, I think you should be smart about playing these guys in certain lineups, meaning if the Rams running backs are going off, I would be shocked if Stafford and Cup are also going off. So I'll be setting rules in my optimizer. If I'm playing a, a running back from the Rams in captain, whether it's Henderson or Akers, I'm not playing those two other guys on the Rams because historically, like looking at how those guys score points, it's unlikely they all hit a ceiling outcome together. So give me the running backs in a, a, con, a contrarian build without Stafford and without Cup. Yeah, I set a lineup earlier that was Akers at captain is specifically saying if this game hits the under, um, I didn't mind throwing a kicker in there because of that build. And I think on the other side, you're playing Allen and one other player, you know, if it's Isaiah McKenzie, if it's Gabe Davis, whoever, and then you're picking one of the receivers on the Rams side to go with it. So keep that in mind. That's what I'm doing too. You mentioned that their projections aren't going to look as strong because these teams don't throw to the running back position. I know Buffalo last year was only, uh, their running back saw 15% of the targets. That was a bottom five number. Rams are in the same exact boat. So James Cook is someone that's going to stand out price-wise. On DraftKings, he's only 2800 so he's $2 cheaper than your boy Zach Moss, and he's way cheaper than Devin Singletary, who's 7000 So I don't know how many targets this guy's going to see in the first week. Like If they're playing catch-up, sure. Uh, I think you could see him in there, but... It also could be a complete timeshare where it's split three ways. Zach Moss gets some goal line looks. Devin Singletary's between the 20s. And James Cook gets like two or three targets. Like, And there, it's like you have to find the right running back who gets the touchdown. So how are you leaning between those three Bills running backs? Yeah, again, this is a pricing thing, right? Like when you look at James Cook, Isaiah McKenzie, and Tutu Atwell as like kind of the chalk cheap pieces I think James Cook's a pretty thin play this week. I'm not saying he won't be great across the season, but if you just look at preseason usage, like he almost didn't play with the starters. So not that he won't again as the year goes on, but I think for week one, we might be more excited about James Cook than the Bills staff is right out of the gate. So I'm not going to personally play a lot of James Cook, again, based off his price, and I think he'll be decently popular. I am a little interested in both Singletary and Zach Moss. And that sounds absolutely disgusting to say because I don't think either is that good. But again, only from a contrarian build standpoint, like Devin Singletary, the fantasy community kind of wants him to go away. Like the dude played 10 of 10 snaps with the first team offense when they played in their dress rehearsal, which was the second week of the preseason. The dude is going to play a lot. I don't know if he'll get the goal line carries, which could take away from him, but I'm willing to find out, you know, at a, a price point where he won't be popular in captain. I think he's at least interesting in these large field lottos. Singletary definitely is at a price point where I think he'll be passed over because of how much these teams pass the ball. Like it's it's just going to look way better when you have Gabe Davis on your roster at 7,200 compared to Devin Singletary at 7,000. So I see those two as just kind of like interchangeable in terms of your lineup build. Like, hey, that's a good pivot point. Um, and yeah, Zach Moss at 3,000, he's another player that everyone does want to go away. Like, hey, is it okay if you're off this roster and simplify things? <laughs> and he's not. So yes, he could see some goal line work. Um, if if there's an under, he's a fine flex option. There's no way I could put him in captain. I can see Singletary get there if he catches two or three balls and he gets in the end zone maybe twice. So, uh, But yes, I'm with you with James Cook. I, in terms of redraft leagues, I'll hold on, I'll wait. 
But for this first week, if the field's really excited about him, and I think they are from like a PPR perspective, I'm willing to just go underweight and just say I, I don't want any part of that. So any last thoughts on the running backs? Nope, I think we covered it. And I'm glad we did cover it because we weren't going to cover it unless you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> here's one of the simplest lineups that I'm seeing in terms of optimizers. So keep this in mind. This build is showing up the most when I'm running this and when I'm looking at the way that Betts and I have seen it. So it's Josh Allen at captain stacked with Stefan Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie. Does that shock you at all at the start? Not at all. You can also fit in that lineup. Cooper cup at flex, Allen Robinson at flex, and you need a cheapie in there as well. So Ben Skoranek. So that's a three, three build that has a quarterback and captain. So is that shocking at all? I think a lot of people are going to play that lineup, honestly, man. I mean, and it sounds good, right? Like, you can talk yourself into, like, that's a great great lineup. And it, that might work. But if that was what the field we know is probably going to be on, I'm going to look to get off that build for sure. And I think that's something you and I will try to include more. Like, just sample lineups uh, that we give people. I know we did that for the Super Bowl. Like, here's a sample lineup. But we're not saying that's a bad lineup. It's projected very highly. But in one game, that doesn't really matter to us. We're not just trying to beat projections. We're trying to be different than the field. So the first game script we're going to talk about is Buffalo covering the spread of two and a half. How do you think people will handle that in their builds? And how would you attack that? If you think Buffalo is going to cover the spread, you know, they're going to hit, you know, 25, 27 points. They're going to hit their team implied total and win the game. I mean, if that's the case, Josh Allen is absolutely in the lineup somewhere, whether it's captain or flex. And I think you should have a bill as your captain in those builds, whether it's, again, Allen or a receiver or something. But I think in those builds, you know, when you talk about a team hitting upwards of 30 real-life points, like, there's a good chance they have three pieces on their side. So I think in that situation, I'm probably leaning into a 3-3 three, three build, a 4-2 build, something like that, with a Buffalo Bill as my captain. In that build, you're probably projecting the Rams to kind of have a comeback. So... At that point, you probably need a Rams receiver in there that's going to see some some volume. It's hard to fit Cooper Cup in that lineup. So Tyler Higby somebody that I think would be sneaky. Like let's say he catches the touchdown. He, he also catches five balls. He's somebody that I think can fit those rosters uh, a lot better. So consider that if you're doing a Buffalo covers build. But I think the one that most people think this is going to be is a back and forth shootout. Like, okay, 51 and a half. I think people think it's going to get the over. So how would you handle that and where would you go and maybe what is the field going to do? I mean, there's a lot to unpack for that type of situation because there's so many options that that could happen. Like you could say it's Gabe Davis. You could say it's Allen Robinson. It's Cooper Cup. You know, it's the quarterbacks. Like that makes a lot of sense. And so I think of those builds where it is a lot of back and forth, you know, I'm looking to get off of captain quarterback because if you're saying the overhits and you're saying this game goes back and forth, then presumably wide receivers are helping to speed up the game more with their quarterback. And so I kind of want to find leverage spots with these wide receivers like we talked about, whether it's, you know, Steph Diggs, as we said, we think we like a lot, or Allen Robinson, and really leaning into the wide receivers as my captain in those builds. Yeah, in that, I did a couple lineups where I had Allen Robinson as the captain. And it's just really, I mean, you can make it work where Robinson, Stafford, Cup, and a cheap Rams player. So you're getting the 4-2, but then you can still have Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie in your lineup. McKenzie's going to show up way too much in all the optimals, but it's easy to make that happen. We're not saying it's the best play. I think the key to finding that route for back and forth shootout is if you pick the correct running back. Like if we're saying James Cook is not someone really like, 
and we say that Zach Moss, like other than a touchdown, like doesn't project super well. It's saying like, is it Singletary? Is it Akers or is it Henderson that you have in your lineup? So any lean on just in terms of back and forth shootout, which one of those you like the most of those three? I mean, it's tough, right? Because we don't, like most of the time we talk about slates, we have information to go off of from the week before, the month before. Like we really don't know. And so I think when you're talking about this stuff, you're you're hearing us not really give a lot of specific player takes. And there's a reason for that. Whereas in future slates, we will. But I think based off how these teams might play, like I, I would be shocked if the Rams just changed completely and said, we're targeting the running back this year. So in those builds where it's back and forth with, with, you know, Stafford throwing and Josh Allen throwing, I'm probably excluding a Ram running back and I'll lean into one of the, the Bills running backs personally. Yeah, Singletary is the one that I'm kind of interested in in just in terms of like coming back. He did have a couple of games last year. So one where they lost at Tampa Bay in week 14, seven targets. Another one at New England. So I'm emphasizing the at because they're on the road this game. Six targets in that game. So it's possible like he gets a four for 30 or a, you know a five for 40 and a type of involvement in the receiving game where his floor is a little bit higher. So I would just say I like Singletary of where he's at and because of the game theory. I don't think people want to play him at 7,000. I don't know if they think he's worth it at all. All right, let's go over one more build. If it hits the under, what are you considering? I mean, dude, if it's going under, we're playing your boy Tyler Bass <laughs> in this lineup. And uh, and we're leaning into the running backs, like we said. So um, if it's going under, let's say it comes in at like, you know, 44 points or something like that, like, there's probably a couple pass catchers that get there, but you shouldn't, I don't think, in those lineups have a ton of pass catchers everywhere across your lineup. And I think, as I said before, I kind of want to lean into like leverage a captain with running back and maybe just play one quarterback in your lineup instead of two because I think the field is going to try to jam in both Stafford and Josh Allen if they can. When people get into their app, they're going to see Cam Akers, where he's priced, which is right next to Stephon Diggs. They're going to see a red in terms of the, the rush defense that he had to go against Buffalo. They're going to see the same thing as they go to Singletary, you know, same same spot. So just know that you're going to get a lot of leverage with those players. We're not saying that they project super well, but falling in the end zone twice in this game hitting the under would give you so much leverage on people that are saying this is going to be a Josh Allen Stafford back and forth. So keep that in mind. Um, let's talk about dart throws. Do you have a lean? Give me a lean of who your favorite dart throw is of just the cheapies. I mean, this is locked in information right now. <laughs> yes, sir. It is. This is locked and loaded and, you know, nothing better than putting all your money on Tutu Atwell and Ben S. If Van Jefferson is out, I think Ben Skronik in large field lottos, like, is interesting leverage off of Tutu Atwell. I'm not saying he's a great play, but you're literally hoping for a long bomb touchdown, and that's pretty much it. So we'll monitor the reports kind of throughout the week and see what's going on with what we think will happen with three wide receiver sets. But to me, that's the key on this slate from the Rams side of the football is, is who is running as a wide receiver three because they can be in your lineup as a dart throw. It's really hard. <laughs> like, because these prices came out so early, when you scroll through the very bottom, you're like, okay, who's the cheap? Who's the cheapy? These guys aren't on the roster. Duke Johnson, not on the roster. Like he's, They're not showing up. So you can't just like pick somebody and hope they get a touchdown. Um, I'll just throw out that I think the Rams defense is at least interesting. I'm not saying it's a great play, but I do know that Allen can have games where he just implodes because he runs the ball, because he's a little loose sometimes, and because he's our generation's Brett Favre only. I think he's better than, uh, than Brett Favre. Oh, yeah. but, 
So uh, keep that in mind. I'll just say the Rams defense, if you're playing under, I think they can uh, can be in your lineup. Give me your Vegas pick. Dude, I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking the Rams plus the two and a half at home. I'm fading everyone, all the, the public on the Bills. I will take the Rams plus two and a half. Just fading all the haters out there? All the haters, dude. Well, you know what? I'll take it a step further. I'm taking Rams money line, and I already have. Uh, Ooh, spicy. Mostly because Mike took uh, Bill's money line, so I wanted to go the opposite direction. And, you know, there's some there's some good stuff out there on DraftKings Sportsbook if you want to check out uh, the money line. They have some good little interesting week one stuff. But this we're not giving major betting advice. This is just our lean of what we like and what we what we think would be good. Um, but week one is its own universe. I think people come in with so much information of what they think should happen, and it's not going to happen that way at all. That's just part of the, the game that we play. But if you do want to play a game with us, speaking of, you can go to ballersdfs.com. So many people said thank you for creating a league for just people on this podcast, and it keeps growing. So we are almost at 3,700 people part of this league this year. Uh, ballersdfs.com, it will take you to the DraftKings link of the DraftKings League called Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. You and I get to open up contests, and one of the things I asked them this year, can you expand the field? Uh, because the way that they have things preset, there's only a certain number of people allowed in contests. I wanted them to keep expanding it. So if you're one of those people that want to play DFS with friendly folk, uh, I had listeners last year that said, hey, I've never won a tournament before, and I was in a 200-person tournament with people that listen to the podcast, and I won, and it was incredible. So anything you want to say about that league? It's fun, man. I love playing with you guys, and you know, I'll be honest. I was really bad in those leagues last year. So if you want to come take our money, that is the place to do it. And we just love building this community with you guys, you know, talking through everything in Discord, the, the podcast, the articles, all that stuff. The league is just another way to interact with you guys. And I had a ton of fun doing it last year. And I'm looking forward to it again this year. It's free to enter. Okay. Free league to enter. And then we actually will have contests that you'll get notified about. And if you want to join, you can. If not, it's totally fine. Uh, we do them at different price points. We do different sizes. So every once in a while, you have a league where it's called Beat the Borg, where it's just me. You just battle me. And you have another one against bets where you're just battling bets. Uh, so there's lots of fun ones. If you want to be a part of that, go to ballersdfs.com. Join the league, and we will set up some contests next week to start. So bets, just sign people off Labor Day weekend. Oh, man. Enjoy it, everyone. You know, get some water. Take a break because week one is coming fast. And next week, we're back with two shows per week on Tuesday and Friday. So we see you then. Enjoy the weekend. Week one is right around the corner, baby. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.